millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we'll be speaking with guest expert Dr. Suzanne Leonard, professor of English and director of the graduate program in gender and cultural studies at Simmons University. She's also the author of Wife Incorporated, The Business of Marriage in the 21st Century. Let's hear what she has to say about the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky scandal. So, Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Now, can you start off by giving our listeners a little background on your field of study? Sure. Um, I am an English professor um, at Simmons University in Boston, um, but I actually specialize in um, a discipline called feminist media studies, which um, really aims to look at popular culture through a feminist lens. So I study um, the I study everything from popular literature to television, to film, to new media, um, to women's magazines, you know, anything that sort of exists in what we call, might call the kind of like female media sphere uh, is sort of within my ballywick. And so your, your latest book, uh, Wife Incorporated, The Business of Marriage in the 21st Century, that uh, kind of uh, focuses more on the business of marriage, I guess. 
It does. It does. And that book really looks at, um, at representations of wifedom um, across uh, across American popular culture. Um, so I look at everything from online dating and trends in online dating to reality television shows um, to fictional shows about um, political, particularly political wives and um, many particular political lives are featured in such a way because of their political scandals, uh, which is, I know, something that we'll be talking about today. So I have a, right. a particular interest in, um, I have a particular interest, obviously, in marriage um, and uh, also a particular interest in kind of um, marriages that play out on the public stage. So uh, let's jump right in. How, okay. how does this uh, play into the Hillary and Bill Clinton marriage? How is sure. their marriage? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think as soon as um, as soon as uh, Bill Clinton really started his kind of national uh, national political career, uh, their marriage has been sort of front and center. Right. Questions about their marriage, about the authenticity of their marriage. Um, you know, Bill had long been reported to be a philanderer um, and had had, you know, um, multiple accusations of unwanted sexual contact uh, with with women. Um, when he was running for president, uh, there was a very famous uh, interview with him and Hillary on CBS where um, he basically said, you know, look, uh, this is a private matter between me and my wife, but I think I've, I've told the, all, the public all they need to know. Um, and, um, and she sat there and agreed with him and, you know, and it really presented a united front sort of about their marriage. Um, but that being said, their question had been dogged by questions of fidelity um, and I mean, all kinds of that, you know, just so much gossip. We're even together. Um, you know, was she, was, was this kind of a business partnership, right? Which is obviously something that I think about in my book too, about um, not just the intimate um, emotions associated with marriage, but kind of the economics of marriage and also the kind of career and professional ambitions. So certainly she is somebody who, as we know, had um, serious and significant professional ambitions of her own. Um, and so in some ways, I'd say the Lewinsky scandal confirmed for a kind of purient public, something that they had long suspected. Um, which was that there was uh, plenty of hanky-panky going on behind the scenes, <laughs> right? Um, and so then, you know, I think as all eyes were on Bill, um, almost as, uh, equally were all eyes on Hillary, right? To, to, and this, the question of would, would she stay? You know, would she go? You know, would she stand by her man? Um, would she talk about this? Um, so I, I think that in some ways the affair, not only um, the affair with Lewinsky, not only kind of put all these questions of you know his sexuality on the table, but also put all these questions of of kind of their marriage um, front and center in the national spotlight. So Hillary was supportive of Bill during the scandal. Did do you think that mm -hmm. this had an effect on the media coverage uh, of America's reaction to this event? You know, I think so. I mean, in, in some ways, I think it um, it dampened. I mean, she had always been a, quite a controversial figure. Um, I think, um, but her sort of um, she she did stay with him and stand by him, but she's never really talked in any kind of frank terms about that decision. Um, in her autobiography, she has just these sort of like tight, the very tightly worded sentences about you know they went on vacation to Martha's Vineyard and sort of Buddy the dog was the only one who wanted to spend any time with him, right? Um, but she never, you know, she never really came out and, and, and wanted to talk about what she was doing or why. Um, and I think that in some 
some ways it, it made America um, not necessarily very sympathetic to her because they they wanted more, right? They sort of wanted more of an insight into into what was going on. Um, so yes, so I think the tide of public opinion um, was partly not with her because of her lack of um, willing to make herself vulnerable and you know maybe talk about her pain as some wives have come forth and done. Yeah, it feels like a real lose-lose situation for Hillary on that Absolutely, front. absolutely. You know, I, I really think it was. Um, and, and it's been interesting to me as somebody who's studied um, subsequent political affairs. You know, she, in a sense, I think wrote the rule book, and then a lot of people have done different things. Um, and, and in mm-hmm. some ways, I think a lot of people have done different things to not be perceived as Hillary, right? As sort of a reaction formation to kind of to her. Now, I consider myself a feminist, but Mm -hmm. I I have to admit that I'm not well versed in the differences between the second and the third wave of feminism. Can you help us understand that? Yeah, sure. Um, So I sort of, I think, briefly noted there is uh, sort of the idea that the second wave was very much associated with a tide of of women in the 70s kind of coming on the heels of the sexual revolution um, uh, for whom kind of traditional feminine norms were uh, felt to be very restrictive, Um, sort of so traditional domestic arrangements, um, you know, sort of breakdowns in household labor where women were you know, expected to take care of kids and, you know, maybe not expected or, um, or even um, supported and kind of advocating for uh, professional, um, professional gain. Um, and so there was a lot of talk. There's also a lot of attention um, during this time to just all the ways in which women have been shut out of um, institutions of power. So be that the political realm or even thinking about the healthcare industry, right? Um, like, tests were done on various ailments and they were only done on men, right? So we didn't know a lot about women's health care, for example. Um, there was also sort of a popular period of time where uh, women were going back to school in droves, right? Sort of you had adult women kind of going back to school to get um, higher education. And so it, it was a multi-pronged I think it was a multi-pronged movement um, that was, I think this is important to say, the second wave feminist movement is often uh, narrated as having started with Betty Friedan's um, quite famous book, uh, The Feminine Mystique, where she said, you know, housewives are bored and they're taking Valium and, you know, what they really need is jobs, right? So like these bored, educated white women, again, need to get jobs. And that is... That is not all that second wave feminism was, um, but it's pretty much popularized as the most um, the, the most famous version of second wave feminism, which has led to the charge that second wave feminism was largely a white women's issue. Um, in actuality, in practice, that wasn't entirely the case, right? There were actually um, uh, there were actually women of color who were also looking at things like you know reproductive um, health for for women of color. Um, you know, again, thinking about uh, you know thinking about discrimination in the workplace, right, for women of color. Um, but those were not the stories that the media, I think, uh, was really covering um, with with a lot of um, with a lot of energy. Um, and I think you could still make that case today. So. Sorry, this is such a hard question because I spent my life kind of thinking about the differences <laughs> between these ways. I'm trying to give you a somewhat pithy. No, I um, love it. It's really okay. helpful. It's helpful. Okay. Um, so, so 
anyway, so to sort of think about this distinction between kind of second and third wave feminists, what happened um, in the 90s is basically you had a branch of of feminists, more vocal, um, a, a more vocal branch that said that basically kind of there needed to be more attention to what we think of as the intersectionality, which is simply put sort of the intersection between different identity categories. So like race and gender or race and class or gender and, and sexual, um, sexual orientation, right? Um, and so, you know, the third wave just came out and said, you know, women are not all alike, right? Sort of so, you know, a middle class cisgendered heterosexual woman has certain privileges that, uh, you know, a black lesbian, a working class woman does not, for example, right? And that those differences lie along all these axes of identity, right? Um, and so I would say that the third wave was much more attuned in a in a kind of public way uh, to the fact that you couldn't just sort of claim solidarity, you know, gender solidarity without also accounting for all these other nuances of privilege and power. I'm, and, this background is great. Yeah. 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 Go on. It's, yeah. Um, the only other thing I was going to say is there is talk nowadays about sort of the fourth wave of feminism, which right. is... Yeah, very much connected to sort of like the media sphere and sort of new media, right? So sort of like, you know, what Twitter has done for Me Too, for example, right? And that's just one fairly popular example. Um, but, but yeah, so that's, I hope that's helpful in just giving you some sense of the way people think about this. And, and again, I should say, I'm very much giving you sort of an American, this is like an American feminist historical right. rendering. Well, what, the the reason I bring that this up and, and why I think it's important to this particular tragedy or mm-hmm. scandal is because, you know, in talking about it, we brought up the second wave uh, feminist mo- movement as as having an effect on the scandal. But I think what we really meant was this third wave mem- feminist movement. Um, and in your opinion, how mm-hmm. did that um, that uh, affect um, this the Lewinsky, uh, uh, Clinton situation. Did yeah. it help, uh, you know, did it help or did it hurt? Well, I think one thing, a couple of things. One is there was an, there was an idea that Hillary was your kind of like classic second waiver. Right. So she was someone right. who was, you know, was very politically ambitious, had gone to a, a women's college. You know, I think she was valedictorian or something. You know, she clearly had she was a white woman with a lot of privilege and a lot of ambition. Um, and she was very much sort of kind of uh, fit in very well with this, like, notion of kind of what the second wave feminist was. Right. And I think you could think of someone like Linsky, you know, as a younger woman who, you know, was, I think, pretty upfront about the consensual nature, um, in her opinion, the consensual nature of the relationship that, that she was having with President Bill Clinton. Um, I think through the lens of 2020, we think, might think a little bit differently about those issues of consent, um, which is mm-hmm. to say that, you know, by all accounts, Lewinsky was a starstruck, you know, um, a White House intern, you know, when this affair with Bill Clinton started. So the, the differences in power, right, kind of the power differentials between them is, uh, is really hard to ignore. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think you've got... 
and this is kind of, I think, an, an ugly portrayal by the media, but you've got this portrayal of Hillary as this sort of like shrewish, cold wife who was not sexy at all. And so then, you know, Bill Clinton turns to the younger, you know, <laughs> kind of the, the younger, more fun, more sexually free, more sexually liberated, uh, you know, woman. So I think one thing that sort of disturbs me about the scandal as a feminist is that it seemed to pit it pitted these two women against each other partly for what they represented um, without really thinking about the nuances of you know of these women and of their agendas their their um, desires you know and and you know kind of what what their their own agency while bill clinton you know, he does get impeached by the House of Representatives. It feels like Monica was mm -hmm. the one who actually paid the, the larger price on a social level. Absolutely. Why is that? And how do you think that outcome would be different today, I guess? Yeah, I mean, this this kind of question of being the other woman, you know, particularly the kind of like younger, the younger woman, I mean, the the charge of homewrecker, right? I mean, it's very mm -hmm. easily and liberally applied um, to, to, to people that, you know, often women, right, um, who have affairs with married men. And, you know, from, from what I understand, I mean, Monica Lewis, he was shunned, socially isolated, bullied. I mean, her entire life, right, has been, you know, in a sense, framed through the lens of this scandal. Um, and, you know, and, and obviously not, not for Bill. I mean, this is just one sort of note, right? And similarly, frankly, for Hillary, right? I mean, this is just sort mm -hmm. of one, one note and a long and sort of storied um, public, um, kind of public public career. Um, I think also we need to just be honest about the, the way that the United States kind of handles sexuality, right? We're fascinated by it and we're so quick to judge people, you know, who don't behave in ways that are deemed moral and then, um, and then they're completely isolated for it, right? They're shunned, they're isolated and they're scorned. Um, I do think there is a slightly different playbook now um, for for women in that in that situation. I mean, it's sort of weird, um, and but I've, I've written about this a little bit too. I mean, now you often see. Uh, women kind of like they get jobs advertising for Ashley Madison or they get reality talk shows or, you know, or they, you know, like there's, there is this whole sort of, um, there is this whole celebrity, there's a whole kind of like celebrity circuit, right? Where you can now find kind of other women kind of leveraging their, their name in order to, you know, sell products or sort of brand themselves. But I mean, that, that all came far too late for Lewinsky. Right. And, and I also don't think Lewinsky wanted to be known, you know, for that either. Right. I mean, you know, I, I think she was really unfairly portrayed as sort of some kind of like mindless young floozy. Um, and it was that was a really easy narrative to kind of slot her into. Um, and I think a real disservice was done um, to her probably more than anybody else in this in this triangle. Yeah, I, I remember as a because I, I was a kid when the scandal happened, mm -hmm. you know, you, there were um, th things you heard about Monica Lewinsky um, that that kind of stuck with you. And now in learning, relearning about it and the ins and outs, you, she really does come off as like a awesome, solid <laughs> woman. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, it was about 
five, almost six years ago, I remember she actually started to um, to work on kind of an anti-bullying campaign. You know, she did some talks about thinking about online bullying. Um, and it's, I mean, in the kind of irony of all ironies, right? For a little while, Melania Trump just was going to make that her, you know, one of her signature items as first lady. And, you know, and it just, I mean, I thought, oh my God, poor Lewinsky. I mean, here, you know, once again, you know, she certainly has legitimacy to speak on, you know, on kind of online bullying and, and online um, scorning. And yet, you know, Melania Trump tries to sort of make this her issue. And obviously that seems to have gone, have gone nowhere. Um, but, but, but um, as we're saying, yeah, I, I think a real disservice was done to Lewinsky. Now, Linda Tripp is also an interesting character in this mm. uh, scandal. And I don't know, you tell me, but it feels like she represents a lot of the, the anger and vigor that, you know, women themselves throw at these situations. Just yeah. the judgment. The judgment. And, and you know, in, when I think about her willingness to sort of use her friendship with Lewinsky and sort of manipulate that, right? Kind of manipulate that friendship to then, you know, sort of to turn on Lewinsky for this bigger project, right, of the Ken Starr investigation and bringing down Bill Clinton. And, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's really, again, sort of troubling to me as a feminist that it was this, you know, toxic, you know, a female friendship turned toxic and manipulative. Um, and, and just, I mean, you know, Lewinsky was used, right? I mean, Lewinsky mm-hmm. was used as a pawn in a much, much larger, you know, much longer standing, um, you know, history of people going after Clinton for, you know, for all kinds of things. But in this particular case, you know, it was part of the Paula Jones investigation, right? He was being investigated mm-hmm. for the Paula Jones sexual harassment. And then, you know, the Lewinsky thing got all kind of wrapped into that. Um, but, you know, for whatever, you know, whatever you think about sort of Clinton and his, you know, sexual behaviors, you know, should, you know, should sort of extra, I mean, if you think just about the Lewinsky thing, you know, should extramarital sex be the thing that brings down, you know, a sitting president? You know, I I think that's, I think that's, it it just says something about what our country values, (laughs) you know, and, and, you know, um, we care a lot. We continue to care a lot about what people do in their sexual lives. And I would argue not caring enough about sort of what they do that that really harms other people in real material ways, you know, in terms of like the policies that they make or, you know, the, their, the way they treat business. And, you know, I just, I think there's, but there's just so much corruption that that doesn't get uncovered because it's frankly not as steamy of a story. I mean, the the other thing that I should probably say here is, I mean, this is fascinating, right? This was just a you know, this is a yeah. fascinating story, and you know, I think there is a, a a way in which we all want to sort of see into other people's bedrooms, right? I mean, the film film Rear Window is literally about that, right? The Hitchcock film, yeah. you know, where Jimmy Stewart is sitting there, like you know, literally looking into other people's windows, and you know, and I. I think that that, you know, this this kind of offered the American public. I mean, how often do you get to see into the, you know, the sort of bedroom windows of the president? You know, this was one of the first. So it was really it was groundbreaking, I think, on that level. So Bill Clinton was the president whose job and president presidency was on the line. And he's the one who was married. He's the one who cheated. He's the one in the position of power. Why Mm -hmm. is it that the scandal is so centered on the women? Why are we talking uh, about the women? Why are we talking about <laughs> That's a great question. 
great question. I don't have a great answer for it, but I, I think it's funny, you know, you know, Bill Clinton said, you know, I did not have sexual relations with that woman and he lied, right? He lied, but there is still, I think, something about a man, in, a white man in power saying something with authority and definition that people just sort of believe or they want to believe, right? And and I also think men have the liberty and the luxury of being all kinds of things besides their sexual personas, right? I mean, you know, mm. Bill Clinton, you know, Bill Clinton went on, to, you know, to kind of found whatever the Clinton Foundation that does all kinds of work. I mean, you know, for, I mean, he, he had such a, he had such a presence and such a, a name for himself outside of all of this, right? Um, and I think women aren't given that luxury, right? Women are sort of reduced in many ways to like their bodies, their appearances, and their intimate ties, Right. Those are the things, you know, those are the things we we tend mm -hmm. to remember and, and care about in some ways when it comes to women. It's interesting because then, you know, we as Americans, we care a lot about what people do in their sexual lives, like you said. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. but yet we don't care at there are levels at which we care about, like whether you're a white man. But if you're a woman, we care a lot, you know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> if you're a white man, we care. We still care, but yes, a little we less. definitely still care. Like a little less, right? And we're also kind of like, oh well, well there's just like other, there's like maybe other things to talk about, right? About these yeah. white men. Right? <laughs> Where is these women? I still you know, I mean, even kind of in my own research, I mean it's I, I pretty much write about Hillary because I write about her marriage, right? So even I, you know, like, right. you know, sort of criticizing this, you know, this aspect of what people are interested in. I've, I've always been more interested in Hillary's marriage than I have in her governmental policies. <laughs> <you know? laughs> same, same. Um, so, okay. So, yeah. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I just want to yeah. make one more like little nodal point that's like not about Lewinsky, um, but have you read the new book, um, Hillary, the one um, the one that reimagines her life without Bill? No, but I've heard about that. Yeah, it, 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 obviously Lewinsky's not there, but um, but Bill Clinton's, um, you know, but Bill Clinton very much is there, and his um, his kind of philandering and wandering eye is very much the reason, and also sort of the hints of um, sexual impropriety and unwanted sexual contact are. I mean, I hate to give this away, but like sort of the reason that Hillary does not end up marrying Bill, and mm. um, and then in this like in this reimagining, she sort of then goes on to become president. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's a way in which I think this scandal still very much lives on when we think about, you know, her, um, her political, her political um, past, present and future. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, you wanted to ask a question, but I do, I just think no, that's relevant no. because that book literally just came out a couple months ago. Yes, actually, our, our guest mentioned it. It's called Rodham. Yes, uh, Rodham. That's it. Yes, 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 yes. And it is that like that sliding doors element of the, you know, what if, you know, mm -hmm. where would Hillary be right now? It's mm -hmm. fascinating. So at the end of the day, mm -hmm. who, if you had to pick something or someone, who or what do you think is to blame for the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky scandal? Okay, 
I'm gonna I'm an English professor, so I'm gonna split hairs here. <laughs> so you have you, to pick something. You have uh, to pick. <laughs> okay, but like, is the question who's responsible for the affair or who's responsible for the scandal? Good question. I think it's uh, it's it's for everything that led to the scandal being, you know, g- g- you know, getting so out of proportion. I, uh, if I had to pick, like, you're making me pick it's one, tough. right? You're like, this is really tough. This is- but it can also, it can be a concept. It doesn't have to be a person. A it person. can be a concept. Okay. Yeah. Cause yes. I, that's sort of where I'm leaning. I think it is an American public that has a completely hypocritical view of sexuality and morality which is wow. to say that sexual indiscretions are are in some ways the biggest sin um, that, that an American could commit. And that somehow outranks violence. It outranks corruption. Um, it, it, it sort of outranks all kinds of other um, injustices that somehow um, because we place such an equation between sexuality and morality, uh, that of course this would blow up to be a huge scandal because it's the president of the United States. When in my opinion, there are so many things that prior and current presidents do that are so much more depraved than having an affair with an intern. Um, that it almost, when I really think about it, I feel almost like kind of sick to my stomach about it, right? About all the yeah. things that people in power get away with that never become scandals where millions of lives, right, are, are, are directly and direly impacted by the policies or the cronyism, right, um, you know, you name it, right, um, yeah. that, that have such a, a, a more lasting material effect on Americans' lives. So I think it's, it's the hypocrisy. Wow. I mean, you're blowing my mind. That wasn't, I got to tell you, that wasn't even mentioned. So I have to thank you, Suzanne, so much for coming on our show and really helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for this you know, incre- <laughs> incredible political scandal. So thank, thank you. you. Oh, no, thank you for making or la- allowing me really to think about this. As I'm sure you figured out, I <laughs> could spend hours and do indeed spend hours <laughs> thinking about this. So, <laughs> so this has been a real pleasure. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. With us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Hello, Rebecca. And fact checker, Chris Smith. Hello, everyone. Um, what did you guys think about what Suzanne had to say? I, I wrote down a lot of notes. I yeah, mean, she... America is such a prude. <laughs> Get over it, right? What yes. do you think that is? It's a puritanical roots, right? It's it's We came over here because of religion and all that stuff. We just were like... Bunch of prudes up uh, in Jamestown or whatever. Yeah, sexually prude, but um, when it comes to alcohol, not. Like, they love alcohol. Well, there was a big push. Like, it could have gone one way. Puritans drink a lot of alcohol. You know what it reminded me of was a little bit of, uh, remember the Pompeii episode? Like, those were the Romans who, like, wanted to get away. Crazy orgies, like, all kinds of drinking and all that stuff. America doesn't really have that. We got, like, the closest thing is Vegas, probably, which at this point is, like, a family-friendly, like getaway where like Cirque du Soleil like that's the <laughs> about as sexy as it gets yeah you have to leave the country you have to go to Cancun to really let loose but we do have like a collective uh a, a suppressed sexuality I feel as this country which really uh which Suzanne really keyed into I think yeah well, and I was so fascinated I, I cannot wait to read her book uh Wife Inc and I was so fascinated fa- fascinated and think she's so right that we define women by who they're married to and sort of their emotional and sexual lives and their bodies and everything and, and men are just uh we can accept that men are more complicated and dynamic than that but women really <laughs> get boiled down to like you know you always hear people do it and, and people are more aware of it now but they'll be like oh this is Hillary Clinton. She she's Bill Clinton's wife. Right. And that's how we like to introduce women. That's why I always introduce Matt as Amanda's husband. Matt Gorley, <laughs> Amanda Lund's husband. Yeah, and maybe <laughs> he loves you know, it. You know, yeah, we should. We need to work to um we need to work to force the opposite effect. So I think as guys, maybe a sort of forward thinking thing to do is to say, hi, my name is Chris Smith. And the last time I had sex was, and then sort of fill in the blank. So that people (laughs) see, see men more as sort of sexual beings, right? Well, I don't, I think also, Chris, you could, you could risk, you know, showing a little more skin. 
Oh, come on, Amanda. <laughs> I'm already down to two buttons on my shirt. I mean, how much further can I Please. go? For Christ's sake, leave me alone. The, these shirts are going to be flapping in the wind. Yeah. We need at least one button. The alarm is demanding it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'm willing to do whatever the alarmy wants. So if they want tighter fitting shirts or if they want my hair to be wet and sort of draping down the back of my neck, yeah. I mean, I'm willing to accommodate quite a bit. I'm I'm pretty much a ham like that. I'll do whatever you need. It is a dream, though, to just have all of these things flipped. And, you know, there are fun movies that have tried to <laughs> play around with that idea. But if we could really just live in it for a day, I mean, it's it's hard. It's really um, I, it's just fascinating how all of that is put on women. And if only men could live through it for a day, I wonder where we'd be as a, as a society. There's um, a Beyonce video I think you should check out. It's called If I Were a Boy. <laughs> yeah, we figured that out. Yeah. Beyonce figured that out already. Yeah, yeah I guess we're So, Rebecca, I have up. to know, does, um, after your conversation with Suzanne, does this change your verdict? Because just to remind everyone, we sent Dirty Politics to jail and we gave Clinton the slap and was it? Patriarchy. Uh, the backhand. No, are you right? sure it wasn't... Um, What's her face? Uh, the Linda Tripp. Oh, Linda, Linda Tripp, Tripp got That's the backhand. Right. It was a last minute switch. Um, I think actually, I think American the um American prudism. Would you call it? <laughs> let me let me Google around and see what kind of term I can come up for. Like <laughs> puritanism. I know we've we've gotten into that before. American, yeah. but it, it's more it's. It's less puritanism for me. Prudism. Uh, yeah, she made a really good point where it's like we should be focusing. These presidents have, you know, with their policy, have caused such great harm to you know not just people outside of our country, but just our very own people. I mean, we're seeing it happen right now, and yet. Um, and, and yet, yeah, what's at the forefront? It's like someone had an affair. It's like, who cares, right? Who's having sex with who? Who cares? I mean, I feel I totally get that. And I believe you would say prudishness. Prudishness. Um, I called it prudism. I know, which I like better, to be honest. So I think maybe we go with prudism. But I totally understand that the only reason why I'm like, oof, I don't know, is because of the power dynamics involved, Right. Um, that's the only reason, but th- at the time, that's not why people were upset. Right. That's not, no, that's now looking back on it. Yes. So I'm with you. If you wanted to set dirty politics free and go with American, uh, prudism. <laughs> because dirty politics was the, un- uh, this is the thing. Dirty politics was the underlining, underlying, uh, force, right? That's why they wanted to get him. They were taking advantage of the prudism. Yeah. They were taking advantage of the prudism. But it's like, why are we so prude? (laughs) 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 What came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Mm. Prudism came Even first. Even that is like too sexual for me. Like, right now, like, <laughs> hey, chicken, what's the chicken wearing? Is the chicken clothes? Hopefully the chicken has clothes on. Um, okay, I feel good about keeping Bill Clinton and Linda Tripp with a slap and backhand. So I think 
I think I'm going to give it to American prudism. Wow. Yes. We're swapping I, out uh, inmates left and right over here. Jeez. I mean, whatever well, happened to standing, st- sticking with your decision? No, after? I don't want to be hard headed. No, new information changes things. P- retrials should be uh, allowed. And one of the scariest things for me in life is to be uh, convicted of a crime I didn't commit. So, I mean, you got, if you, if new information comes to light, you got to change it. You got to change the verdict. Okay. Well, I'm calling it American prudism. You're going to the alarmist jail. You know what I'm glad about? I think I made prudism a word. I believe you did. <laughs> Let me look it up and just see. Oh, there's something called prudismo. Is that like machismo, but for prudes? I don't Whoa. know. Fact checker. <laughs> um, I don't know where I just saw that, but I actually like prudismo. Yeah. <laughs> America is it's so prudissimo. <laughs> They're prudissimo. It's prudish. Prudissimo oh, okay. is not a word. It might be a different <laughs> language, but we're speaking English here. I mean, at least All right, sometimes. all right. All right. You and your facts. Um, fine. It's prudishness. I'm aware it's prudishness, but we're calling it prudism. So just relax. Everyone relax. <laughs> I'm perfectly relaxed. <laughs> I mean, our listeners. Um, okay. So, I mean, that that's great. I'm glad we talked to Suzanne. And uh, now, you know, tune in next week because we got more coming your way. We've got an episode on the Betty Broderick murders. I'm very excited about that one. So just so everyone can sort of get up to pace on that, there is a great podcast called, uh, let me look, it's, it, it's all simple. Um, yes. Right, what is that? It's called It Was Simple, and that's an LA Times podcast. Also, um, the Dirty John uh, hashtag Betty, or not hashtag, colon Betty Broderick murders, uh, starring Amanda Peet is really great. So if you want to try to binge that before we talk Betty Broderick, I highly recommend. Yeah, do it. Amanda will be happy because she's a huge Amanda Peet fan. I am. Um, okay, so you you have your homework, Alarmy. <laughs> <laughs> See yeah, you next any, week. Any requests for what you want me to wear during these uh, podcasts where you don't <laughs> you don't see me? Um, I'm happy to oblige. <laughs> Send, send, don't send those over, please. Yes. Send uh, pictures. You know, no, get a no pin, pictures. Get, get a Pinterest board going. I want to see Chris in that navy blue gap dress. <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.